what we're doing. You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. My Robert Lobos, my hand on my Uwego. We invaded airwaves. We're everywhere, everywhere, airwaves. Hold up, why them haters mad? Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Better call somebody. Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend, tell a friend that we're live on the airways right now, and we got a pre-packed show to get to, man. We have so much to talk about. We got to do kind of a recap of the NBA offseason because let's be honest, right now we're in August. Not a whole lot's gonna go down. Like last year was kind of like an aberration, but I think it's safe to say that the offseason is done. On top of that, we got to get into the release of Drake's new video for In My Feelings. We got to talk about Kendrick Lamar appearing on Power last week. And also, we got to definitely get into um, LeBron James opening up his new school in Akron and like what that means for the community and what have you. Plus a whole bunch of other fun stuff in between. But... You already know how it is, man. Usually I like to bring in my guests like later on, like the 845 mark, but I'm bringing in my guests early because we have so much to discuss, so much to catch up on, and so much to dissect on tonight's episode of Cool Radio. Therefore, I'm bringing him on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys already know him. You love him. He's been on the show multiple years in a row, or yeah, multiple years in a row, multiple times in a row, either way. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about my man, my brother, uh, the mighty one. He goes by the name of Goliath Paw, a.k.a. You know- Whoa! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Yeah, what's popping, DM? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm chilling. You already know how we do at Cool Radio, yes, man. We sir. are uh, just uh, getting the process sorted out. Of course. But speaking of process, um, you've been handling some processes of your own, man. Like you've been performing, you've been um, promoting your your new project, your latest single, the video that came out with a single. Uh, yes. let, let's get into all those details, man. Man, it's been a long year. It's been a long year. It's my first project of mm-hmm. the year, King Pa. I plan on releasing two more, but we got this one first up. Um, it's five tracks produced by Alter Ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Toronto producer, rising guy. Um, you know, he fits my style really well. Mm-hmm. His beats are really... It's it's not it's not today's sound. He, he, he encompasses what's there today, but right. he also has that live band appeal, right. which is what I love because, you know, I play with the full band. And you know my music is very crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, so man, I heard I heard one of his beats and I was sold. Mm-hmm. Got five more or uh, four more. Yeah. And we just took off with it. Right. So um, so far it's been getting pretty good reviews. Right. Shout out to my man Dustin Warham. He just did uh, a reaction on YouTube. Okay. Y'all okay. Check that out. Uh, that was pretty funny. That's what's up. I gotta give uh, Dustin a cool drop for that. <laughs> Sir, yes, sir. But yeah, man. Like, what's the what's the reaction? Well, speaking of reactions, actually, what's the the reaction and response been like thus far? The, the, feed, the feedback has been humbling, man. It's been mm-hmm. amazing. You know, with this project, we decided that uh, we were going to, you know, I was going to connect with my fans a little bit more, mm-hmm. talk about my family, talk about the way I was raised, expose mm-hmm. myself a lot more. You know, mm-hmm. growing up, school of hard knocks. You know how it is. We right. were always like, you know, we came up with the Wu Tang, Fifty Cent, those mm-hmm. guys. You know, guys like Drake are changing the game. Game, putting more emotion, putting more feeling, big shot in them. Right. So you know, we tried that out, and it's it's been great. A lot of a lot of my fans and a lot of my friends and family, mm-hmm. they uh, they connected with it, and the response has been amazing. That's what's up, man. And it's it's funny you mentioned that because like on past projects and singles, <clears throat> pardon me, you haven't really gone the personal route too often. Like maybe every now and mm-hmm. again, might you might sprinkle it, but 
I feel like now in today's generation where because we're so enamored with social media yes. and things are a lot more transparent, everyone wants to be closer to their celebrity idols or the people that they that they uh, consume content from on a regular exactly. basis. So I think going this route, it's not only refreshing, but it kind of gives the listener an idea of who the man is behind Goliath Paw as well. Yes, yes. It's true. And, you know, my favorite artist, um, I love them because I got to know who they were. I mm-hmm. looked into them. And um, like you said, man, in this, in this t- day and age mm-hmm. where everything is more transparent, everybody's more exposed, yeah. you, get to, you get to see that sooner. You can decide if you like the artist right away. Right. So, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I love it. I love this new path that we've taken. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no looking back. We're just going to take off with it. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So you have a new single, or well, not well, a relatively new single, I, I should say, uh, called The Pock, actually, right? Mm-hmm. And so you dropped the video for that uh, maybe a couple weeks back, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, we dropped it July 16th when we dropped the EP. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And how's the response for the video been thus far as well? The video has been great. Y'all can check it out on YouTube, youtube.com slash official. Just going mm-hmm. through the comments there the other day, a lot of people, they relate to it. You know, they they mess with it, yo. Um, when we were shooting the video, we wanted to do kind of like a throwback. So let me just break it down with mm-hmm. the song. It's called The Pock. And um, I wrote this song. You know, I was in one of those modes where I was, you know, reminiscing about the past. Yeah. And where I grew up back home in Ottawa. And the song is about, it's like a time capsule. So the first verse I'm talking about when I was young at the park, how we saw everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would play in the playground. We would go swimming in the wading pool. Right. Nicky Nicky Nine Door. All the innocent <laughs> stuff that the kids used to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I remember go those. Play basketball, <laughs> whatnot. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, as we grew older and we grew into adolescence, the park meant something different to us. Yeah. All of a sudden, we were defending it. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to be proud of where we were from. We wanted to impress the older cats who were giving us missions to go and do, mm-hmm. you know. So the park got a little bit darker, a little bit gloomy. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what you do when you're a teen, right? It's always trying to prove themselves, especially young men. Right. So, you know, we we loved the park. We defended that, um, you know, smoke, drink, hustle, whatever. Mm-hmm. It just meant something different as you grow up. And now as a man, when I go back home and I go back to where I grew up and I see the park and I see the kids that are growing up, I see the teenagers that took our spot, um, it's crazy, you know, it's just, it's just, it's perpetuating, mm-hmm. um, that lifestyle, you know, of, uh, living in uh, low income housing or living in the hood. Yeah. And it's just cool to see how when you're a kid, you're so innocent. You don't really see those things when you're a teen, you're encompassed in it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're a man, you're looking back on it and you're like, how could I have been so stupid? I need to teach these kids. I want to show them that there's a better way. Cause a lot of the kids that get caught up in that nonsense and a lot of them end up going to jail for hustling or mm-hmm. fighting or stabbing or you know the story i mean right. toronto's hot this summer man yeah man it, it's blazing hot this summer like i haven't seen it like this since maybe 2005 yeah. like it's yeah. it's been a heat wave man it's, it's, it's been it's crazy. crazy like and the craziest thing is the fact that and this is this doesn't sound good either way how you spin it but the shootings are taking place in shootings in, in city, or not cities, but in communities that you wouldn't often expect exactly. it to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's happening yeah. in Danforth. It's happening in Kensington Market and what yeah. have you. Yeah. Like you, ex- and this is bad to say, but you expect it to happen around Finch, around Falstaff, around around Scarborough, and things like that. Not that it's good, but those are usually the expected That's, spots. Yeah, yeah. But now that it's happening in more, I guess, quote unquote, gentrified areas, now it's like, oh, okay, so like no one is safe, basically. Well, you know what they say when the when when they bring the noise outside of the hood, that's when the city will pay attention. Right? There you go, right. And and I mentioned that last week as well because I mentioned how um, everyone is saying, you know, Toronto strong or Danforth strong or what have you, which is all well and good. 
but where is that, you know, for the Finch shootings or for the Rexdale shootings, uh, Scarborough, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. How come it wasn't Scarborough strong, right. Finch strong, et cetera? Right. Like, why is it only strong when, you know, the conglomerate is being affected by it instead of the people under that? I, I, and, you know, just to add to that, I really think it's um, it just goes back to desensitization. Mm-hmm. Growing up with those things, like we said, as kids, uh, growing up there, we saw all those things ahead of time when we became teens we we joined in with, into those things right. and hopefully as a man you walk away from them but a lot of the times people still stay in there right right so when those things happen we <coughs> as a community usually don't rise up because we're so used to it right what happens outside of our communities that's when you'll see them be like hey we got to get together mm-hmm. and we got to fight against these things not to say that you know people from the low-income communities don't fight because hell man we we fight man my mom fought for our community i'm sure a lot of parents fight for it Mm -hmm. a lot of people i see on social media as well you know they throw rallies Mm -hmm. um they do uh concerts to raise money Mm -hmm. um for the shootings and whatnot and the shooting victims but we're just so used to being stepped on and not being heard and not being taken serious Mm -hmm. that a lot of the times we just keep quiet right and yeah, and that's what it comes down to. And it's sad, right? But like that just goes to show you, or not goes to show you, but it just implores that you got to speak up exactly. when things like this are happening, no matter who you think is not listening. Because someone's always listening. Someone's you know what I mean? Listening. Like you never know who's going to pick up on your message and, and act upon it. Because at the end of the day, like someone in Toronto Congress may hear, you know, a little girl from the Finch community speaking about this. And then mm-hmm. she or he may want to implement like some sort of new ruling or some new bill that may benefit that community as well as all communities in Toronto. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're gonna move on from 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 all this, and we're gonna get into like the nitty gritty of of this particular episode, all right? Because I'm kind of scrapping away a little bit of the uh, structure that I normally like to put on, because there is a lot of content for us to discuss on tonight's episode. <laughs> Of cool radio. And I think you already know what I'm getting to, man. Like, there is a bevy of things that have happened, you know, during, you know, uh, during the NBA offseason. And you guys, you already know how, how we do when it comes to this, man. It's, it's ball is life. Like that, that's ball all we do, man. Life. Ball is life, right? So I think it's only right that we discuss a lot of these things that have happened in the offseason um, this past year. Because last year, if you remember last year, last year was quite... Not even, not even arguably. Like, it, there's no debate. It was the greatest off season in NBA history. Like, it proved that the NBA is a 12 month sport, and so I think it's only right that it lives up to that title once again this year. Because, mind you, I know by September things are probably going to be a bit chill and what have you, and I think things are starting to cool off a little bit right now. But nonetheless, there are still some stories to dissect, whether they're new or old. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of things that happen this off season that. Either we expected to see, or we didn't expect to see, or we did expect to see, but did not know that it would turn the way it did, all right? Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, I think it's time to, you know, give this a special version of Let That Ish Breathe. Let this bitch breathe! So, again, NBA free agency wrap-up. I Pretty much, it's going to be a wrap-up because I don't see any other big deal happening. I remember last year, like I think it was around this time or a little bit later into the month, uh, what was it? Kyrie Irving announced that he wanted to get a trade from Cleveland into, yeah. into Boston. Mm-hmm. And that we didn't see. We That, that came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere. We're like, hold on. Hold on. There's more? We get more? <laughs> As NBA fans, we get more? Okay. But... This year, it's calmed down a little bit, but still some big things happen. So let's get to 
you know, the most important Let's thing talk because about the biggest one. Okay, I'm oh, gonna say. Man. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, before before we get to that, I, I know that's important. <laughs> but we all saw that coming a mile away. Let's be honest. No, but, we didn't. Yeah, yes, we no, did. We didn't. Yes, we did. We no, were some there. of us were angry not when there. it happened. Not over there, though. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, that's why I was mad. But we'll get to that one all in right. the moment. I want to get to the most important one, in my opinion, just because it's right here in Toronto. And I'm talking oh. about, yes, and I'm talking about the trade that happened between the Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs, and we all know what happened right now, or by now, rather. Toronto Raptors trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, and also a few peripherals that include Danny Green, Yaka Pertl, and then a future first-round pick that is top 20 protected. I will say this, you know, despite, you know, not really being happy with Masai Ujiri's decision earlier on, I the only thing I was really happy about or relieved about, I should say, is the fact that he didn't trade away any of the more important younger assets like OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, for example. He gave away Yaka Pirtle. No disrespect to him. I like the kid. He's good. But, like, as far as the bench rotation and, like, who we had as far as, like, prospects and what have you, he was – probably i wouldn't say the most expendable but like one of the most expendable if anything so i'm not mad at of that course, course. and it looks like he would fit the spur system better anyway so yeah. i'm not mad at that yeah he, he would thrive over there right the only thing i'm mad at is the fact that you know from an emotional standpoint no no just, just hear me out just hear me out just from an emotional standpoint and i get it it's a business i'm not even gonna negate that but just the fact that the raptors for once Actually had a star. Yeah, he's a star. He's a star. He's not a superstar, but he's a star. He's a star that we drafted, cultivated, and actually wanted to stay here. Because the Raptors, they've never had that before. Like, let's think about it. I mean, Stoudemire, he wasn't a star, but he was like an up-and-comer. But he wanted to leave. Yeah. Vince Carter left because the Raptors were doing shitty business back in those days. Mm -hmm. uh, T-Mac left, and he was on the up-and-up of the, of the start. And, like, he had star potential in the making. And then Chris Bosh left because he saw a better opportunity, which I'm not mad at. Like, you were here for seven years. Nothing was really happening. You had him pass the first round. Meanwhile, you have the opportunity to join LeBron and D-Wade in Miami to contend for titles. I wasn't even mad at that. I was like, you know what? I'm expecting him to leave because mm. – I'm already used to it as a Raptors fan anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and B, you got a golden opportunity to do something big, so I'm not mad at you. You do you, whatever, right? Yeah. But now we actually got DeMar DeRozan. He stayed. He didn't even take any meetings. The man signed on the dotted line three hours into free agency. I mean, that's damn near unheard of, right? Yeah. So, And he even took less money so that the Raptors could, could build around and see who, who they could get potentially as well. Yeah. So he took that quote-unquote hometown discount and what have you. So when, to, so when DeMar's talking about loyalty and how there's no loyalty, et cetera, et cetera, I understand what he's saying because there's also a double standard when it comes to that. Like when a player looks out for his own interests, then he's a snake, he's a coward. Um, he wasn't loyal to the fans or the or the business team, et cetera, et cetera. But then when a player gets traded to a team, it's a business decision. Like they did what's mm -hmm. best for the team. They're both business decisions, but one shouldn't be glorified while the other is demonized. That's that's the main thing that, that it comes down to. Now, when we're talking about Kawhi Leonard, on paper, of course it looks amazing. A top five player, MVP caliber uh candidate. Finals MVP already. He's won a title. The best two-way player in the league right now. I mean, what's not to love about it on paper? You know what I mean? And then when it comes to his health, he did pass the physical, so we at least know he's 100% healthy. So that's good. 
But at the end of the day, we're not certain as to whether or not he's going to stay with the team long term. He's probably going to go to L.A., whether it's Clippers or Lakers. And I'm already prepared for that anyway. Like, I'm going <laughs> full skeptical until I see otherwise because he believes for me. But I feel like I've talked enough at this point. Uh, Paul, what was your take when you first heard the news about this trade? I loved it. Of course he did. I loved it. Of course he did. I love when teams take a chance and, <laughs> you know, chase that title. Mm-hmm. Um, DeRozan, man, God bless him, yo. Right, right. Definitely, you know. We uh, we grew up with DeRozan, yo. Mm-hmm. He's our man. And he wanted to stay, like you said. Right. Uh, but, hey, man, like, the Delory, the, the Lowry-DeRozan combo mm-hmm. wasn't working. We I think we gave it, what, five, six years. They took us far enough, right. but... Again, I know LeBron left, but under the bright lights, under the brightest lights, they can't right. perform. Well, okay, and yeah, and I see that as well. Um, the only you know counter argument I would have to that, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate at this point, is the fact that for the last three years, the only reason why they bowed out of the playoffs was because of LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Whereas every other team they beat in either six or seven games. Right. Now there are going to be people who are complaining, saying, "Oh, well, it took them seven games to eliminate the Pacers and seven games to eliminate Miami, et cetera, et cetera." But history doesn't look at how many games it took to beat the other team. Mm-hmm. It just excel. It just it just uh, focuses on the fact yeah, that the you beat that well. team. Exactly. Unless if it's the finals and it's like you were down 3-1 in the series and you won the yeah. series after that, yeah. a la LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers 2016. But if it's not that, then like why are we now nitpicking on how many games it took to get the job done? The bottom line is you got the job done. And I kind of feel like the Raptors kind of get like an unfair m- microscope when it comes to that. Now, granted... There were times where Larry and DeRozan were kind of up and down as far as their performances go. Like one game they would have 25, the next game they would only have 13. Mm-hmm. And it would have to be the uh, peripheral players to, to fill in like Serge Ibaka or JV or whatever. But even then, and I guess I'm kind of looking at it glass half full. I'm looking, that, I'm looking at that in a sense where at least you know you have the talent around you that can put in buckets when called upon to do so, which is what those guys did have done in past years. If you look, look at Norman Powell. He exploded in the playoffs in uh, 2016 and 17, especially against yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah as well so i sometimes i feel like they they get a bad rap no pun intended um but i get it at the end of the day it is business what it's mm -hmm, go ahead go ahead it's it's more than just business it's um it's getting him the you know the f out of here yo he can't he can't he can't perform and at the end of the day what are we paying him for we're paying him because he's our star he needs to be able to take us to the promised land if he can't do that even if it's a one-year rental man Kawhi is top five I say top three, man. I know he didn't play last year and whatever. Mm. He was doing his little drama. Right. But Kawhi is top three. What is he, like 27, 28? 27. Like he's just getting into his prime. Right. Let him come give us a year. Who knows what will happen? They said the same thing about Paul George. I know it's a huge stretch. It's a stretch. But who knows what will happen, man? He's a quiet guy. He might fall in love here. But even if he plays for a year and leaves, it'll, it'll show other teams that, hey, I can come to Toronto and win. If all these young stars... If they need a team to come to, to take, come take over, mm-hmm. they can come to Toronto. We have that winning formula. We've been one one seed, one seed, two seed, one seed yeah. the last four years. We've basically been in the top four, basically. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much the best team in the East last five right. years. See, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to Kawhi, 
again, we don't know what Kawhi we're getting because he missed. He basically missed the entire year. We know what Kawhi we're getting. We, we're getting we don't. Kawhi Leonard. But we, but we don't. That. But yeah, we, we don't. Do because he didn't want to play for the Spurs. That's why he was doing Okay, that. but you took a year off of basketball. How? They don't how take s- a full year off. You know he's playing. He's still exercising. Okay, we're talking about thing. that's practice, okay? We're talking about practice. Okay, somebody, practice. On, Kawhi- <laughs> <laughs> somebody on Kawhi's level. Yeah. Somebody on Kawhi's level is okay if they take that much time off. They still come back better than everybody else. We, we don't know that. We, we really don't okay, know so that. So when Kawhi puts up 29 a game, uh, come see me. Okay, I will. I will. And trust me, I'm being mad skeptical right now. But once he does start doing that on a regular basis, I will lighten up my mood. I will. I'll be Everybody the first to admit will. it. The whole city will. I'm, well, I'm sure half the people already are going to throw me at the mouth of the prospect of it. And don't get me wrong. Some of the lineup situations look very tantalizing to me because Toronto has made themselves into a two-way threat within the league for the last couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um. What was I going to say? I was going to say, um, in the case of Demar and Kyle, and what have you, and not and having that not working and what have you. My thing going into this offseason, because of the fact that LeBron went west, which we'll discuss in a moment. My thing was this: not to say to run it back, but let's try to acquire a third star or like a third legitimate score. They did though? Who they, they, who, they, who they, they add? Who was the third they, star? They brought a backup. He's not a third star. He's a okay, defensive guy. Him, yes, Come and on. when they brought him, it was like, oh, my God. Da, 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 da. I'm not going to lie. I got mad excited for that. Everybody got excited Yeah, for but it. not because he is a scorer, because he's a, de- yeah, a defender. Exactly, for what he stands for, right? Yeah. And we were like, okay, we have our little big three. We're going to do this, this, and that. And then he didn't show off because his his like peak was way yeah, back when, I, when he was like 23. I didn't even that. know what happened with that one, man. I was like, yo, Ibaka, like, where are, like, why are you dropping the ball? Like, like no, literally, like yeah. he'd be making like the most terrible passes. Like, what are you doing? Are you dumb? <laughs> like, you're dumb. <laughs> but no, like, I, I was thinking because Cleveland is now going to be in the tanker, let's be honest, why not make a trade for Kevin Love? That's what I was thinking. Because now you actually have a legitimate power forward who can play the post and has to do that's, that's the thing. DeRozan was our best chip. So who are we going to get for Love? Oh, because Love's stock has dropped over the years because of the fact that his has numbers are gone. Has it though? I think it has. I think it's. It I think the stock has dropped. Was, it has because he was a third option. Now everyone's wondering if he's going to uh, step up this year. And yeah, but you're only as good as your last game, though. And that's why they that, got DeRozan out of here, man. Okay, but what I'm saying is, when it comes to Kevin Love, you could have gotten him for cheaper, basically. What I'm saying is this: if this were the Kevin Love in Minnesota, you'd have to pay an arm and a leg to get, even. You know what? And that's a good idea. You know what? You know how? Let me say this, and I, it, it, it just came to my mind. Even with Love at his best, he still got traded for a, a number one overall draft pick. Had even played a day in the yes, NBA because yet? They, yeah, because they knew that one buddy might have had potential to be the next great one. But more than anything, LeBron wanted Love at his stats at that time to come join, and Cleveland would do anything for LeBron. Right, and but I'm saying like because they were willing to do anything for LeBron, that was bad business on their part. The, the fact was that. It though? It was. Well, not in the sense that because they actually won a title, but I'm just saying, like, for someone of Kevin Love's resume at that time, you can't just you can't just trade him for a, a like a, a number one overall draft pick that you don't know is going to turn out to be something special or not. Like, you're trading for potential at that point. Well, That's essentially what you're doing. It worked out a little bit, no? Maybe for Love and him getting a title. For Wiggins, that's no, another I mean story. Wiggins. Wiggins is putting up, what, 20 or 22 or something? 22, something like that. But, like, good, he's looking like a one-dimensional scorer right now. He's kind of looking like uh, a Carmelo right now, basically. Yeah. Because the expectation was for him to be a it's, two-way a two-way threat as well. It's Jimmy, it's Jimmy Butler, man. You, you can hide him under Jimmy, mm-hmm. and Jimmy gets all the shine. Cat's there, which he doesn't show up in the playoffs anyways. But um, he just, you know, Wiggins became the third option. 
yeah, he did become the third option, but like he hasn't really shown a whole lot of promise. Like he's talented. I'm not taking anything away from him. Yeah, yeah, no, but like a, he hasn't really shown that if, he's if transcendent. Yeah, if you can't, he wasn't an all star, right? No, no, he hasn't been an yeah, all star yeah, yet. If you can't be an all star in Minnesota, then I don't really know what you're doing. Right, and it's, it, it's been his fourth year now. It's been yeah. his fourth year. But um, yeah, going back to the Toronto scenario, man. I mean. It, it's it's tough to see him go, but like I get it though. I wait, I understand. Wait and see. Wait and see. I know. I, I'm, it's I'm the saying. same team minus DeRozan with a better player. We're going to the finals. There's no LeBron. Kawhi is great. GS. If they have a little bit of mishaps and we have to face maybe Houston or whoever, Lakers it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be Golden State. Let's be honest. No, you don't know. That. It's gonna be Golden State. That. They have they, that, their starting five is the monsters basically. <laughs> like never in the history of the NBA have you had all five yeah, players the... in the All Star game. Okay, like the Pistons are close. They were close in back in 04. Yeah. But still, I mean, I mean, I wasn't even mad at them. But I, we'll get to that in a second too. But yeah, you know what? The thing is, like, we gotta wait and see what Kawhi. Does. Like we can't just shun him right now. Mind you, like again, I'm still skeptical because I know the history of very talented players who come to the city. They stay for one or two years, whatever. They take their money, they bounce, and I get it. You know, secure the bag, whatever you got to do, fine. I just hate the fact that, you know, if or when he leaves, he's going to be leaving at a time where there is no LeBron. There is no boogeyman in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. We got to go back to being a loser team again. I want to be a loser team again, man. I remember those Brian Colangelo days, those 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 Rob Babcock days. I, just, <laughs> I don't want to go back to the that, man. team? Yeah, <laughs> man. Freaking European big man who can't play defense for shit. Andrea Bargnani. Oh, my God. Rafael Alarujo. He's from South America, but still, oh, the point I still know. stands. Rashon Osterovich. All those guys. Man, I don't want to go back to that. If that happens... <laughs> I, I I can't confidently say that I'll watch the Raptors anymore at that point. Like that's where that's where I'll be. I'm not saying I'm going to cheer for the next team, but I'm not going to look forward to watching hey, a Raptors. We're, game. But were we not ahead of our time back then? If you look at that team, uh-huh. mm, maybe not. But if you look at that, what we were trying to chase, yeah, compared to now, you just surround a really good player, Carter, with shooters. <laughs> yeah, that that might work. It it, it could might work. Maybe we could shoot back then. We could we could. Calderon was good. He was decent. He Calderon was, was good. Calderon was a good starting point guard. He, he was decent. He was decent. He, yeah, anyways. He, he was a pylon on defense, but, like, you know, offense, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, man, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Man. We'll wait and see. You know, I just hope that DeMar, uh, DeMar's career be- continues to grow in San Antonio. Like, under Popovich, man, I mean. He'll flourish. I, I hope he him. will. Let him go there. Yeah. Let him develop. He, it's it's good for him. Right. The only thing that I've been fully on board with for this offseason for the Raptors thus far is the fact that they fired Casey. This man had to go. I'm sorry. He had to go. I've been calling for yeah, this guy no, to get no, fired I, for the I last agree. three years. I, yeah, I've been saying the same thing. Yeah. His he, coaching style is way too antiquated, mm-hmm. man. Like, he's just very stubborn on what he wants to do. And the only reason why the offense changed was because Nick Nurse is the one who implemented that. Right. So now I'm curious to see what Nick Nurse can do now that he has the full range, now that he doesn't have to answer anybody. So I'm curious to see that as well. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the talk of the town, right? Who's mm-hmm. this new coach? Right. You know, he was the assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to be able to have control of the team? Is mm-hmm. he going to be have the respect of the team? Yeah. You got a guy like Kawhi Leonard who is silently defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to get along with the coach? Is he going to get along with the players? Mm-hmm. 
So I mean, it's 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 an experiment. It's a toss up. I love it. Go for gold. Let's yeah. go, raps. Let's do it. Let's do it. We the North. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about the one you want to talk about. The opening of the segment. Let's talk about LeBron James going to LA. Now this one is funny because we were actually in Ottawa together along with the rest of the madam <laughs> yeah. when we all found this out. I remember. Oh, I first of all, shout out to my boy Jay Kareem. I was literally <laughs> on my phone, literally on my phone, scrolling or whatever, and I got an update from Bleacher Report. And then I just saw LeBron, Lakers. I'm like, oh, my God. I dropped my phone. Everyone's like, yo, what's wrong? What happened? What happened? I'm like, yo, LeBron's going to the Lakers. You're like, oh, my God, what? What? You're like, yo, dog, you always have you had half a heart attack. You had half a heart attack. (laughs) But what's your take on the move to L.A.? Because for me, it's Uh, mind-boggling as far as what they put around them. But what's your take on that? As as a fan, I don't love it because everybody knows it's LeBron versus Kobe. That's the finals matchup we never got to see. Mm Kobe fans, I want to say Laker fans, I want to say Kobe fans hate LeBron over there. They defaced the mural twice, which is kind of, you know, it's just it's just a bad look. Um, is he the greatest player to wear a Laker jersey? Yes. Is he going to be the greatest Laker ever? No. I like it because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a player fan. So when I look at sports, I don't really have loyalty to a team. I have loyalty to players. Right. And I look from the player's perspective. Let them get their accolades. Let them get their points, their mm-hmm. stats. Let them do what's right for them. If he wants, I don't like when they take less money, but I get it. But, um, yeah, man, take as much money as you want. Do what you want. Um, and for him, it was about his family, right? You see mm-hmm. Bronny Jr., he's killing it. He's playing in L.A. now for the AAU team. Mm-hmm. And um, LeBron's starting his next career. He's got about four or five years left in the NBA. Right. He's going to be in a movie this year. Uh, which will probably come out next year. And he's just going along that path of Hollywood. So at the end of the day, it's his life. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for the guy. All right, so here's what I got to say. So first and foremost, player movement, I'm all for it. If if you are a free agent, you get to exercise your right to go wherever you please. That's that's bottom line, right? Second thing. I hate the Lakers so much, man. (laughs) And one of the reasons why I hate the Lakers is because their fan base is so self-entitled. Like, you, you, you have to put this into perspective. Some of their fans are so mad at LeBron coming that they're defacing his murals. First of all, you just landed the best player of this generation on your squad. And you're mad? I know. You're mad? Every other city would what? be rejoicing. Listen, players, when, when star caliber players or players who have potential come to Toronto, for example, they leave the opportunity that they get. You guys had a player who wanted to come to your mm-hmm. to your to your franchise. Mm-hmm. Now I get it, it's LA, but my thing is this. If you really want to make the move to LA, why not the Clippers? You know what I mean? And I get it, the Lakers are a much larger brand, but here's the thing. The Lakers are a brand or an entity that supersede whatever players come to that team. And they make it somewhat of like a fraternity like mentality where like you have to be honored and privileged to wear the purple and gold and all that bullshit that comes with it but that's lebron man lebron he wants to be that guy he loves the spotlight he loves being in the media he wants to end his career maybe not as a laker but under the big lights he went back to cleveland won a ring went to miami you know friggin it's miami everybody knows like that's a huge market there and now he's in the biggest market in the nba aside from boston but here's the thing though like Wherever LeBron goes, the big lights will follow. He commands that attention. So my thing is, and I guess I'm speaking from a subjective standpoint because I just can't stand the Lakers, but why not go to the Clippers if you really want to be in that L.A. market? That's where I'm coming from because it's still L.A. I mean, yes, the team isn't as flashy, and we all know the Donald Sterling history and what have you, but at the end of the day, 
between Magic Johnson and Jerry West, Jerry West is the better executive by far. So he's he would probably put much better pieces around LeBron. Whereas with Magic and Kobe Altman, I think his name is, they put around him what? JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, who likes to blow in people's ears, Rajon Rondo, who likes to argue or wrestle and call them the F word. Like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Walton has a hard, hard season in front of him. It's not going to go good. Like, they'll be lucky if they can make the playoffs. No, they'll make the playoffs. They'll definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, but they'll have to fight to make the playoffs, though. Like, it's the Western Conference. Like, Eastern Conference is one thing, but the West. Like, I can already name five teams that are legitimately better than don't, the Lakers. Don't tell me Utah. Oh, Utah's one of them. No, they're not. Utah's one of them. Because of one guy? Not because of one guy. Because of the system. The system that they play acclimates their style of play better. And it's more conducive for winning. That's why they're able to beat OKC because OKC had no system at all. Mm-hmm. They had three all-stars who played ISO. And it's like, okay, I'll get the ball. No, you get the ball. You get the ball. Yeah, whereas, it never works. Yeah, whereas with the Lakers, there's no system right now because at the end of the it, day, it'll be ISO. we know LeBron... And the type of player that he is. He's a guy who likes to drive, get all the attention, kick it out to an open shooter, and they, they launch a three. But they they have no wants, shooters. He, they said he wants to play off the ball. We'll see. With Rondo, who dictates and is an awesome point guard, let him control the flow of the game. They put Lonzo in, let LeBron be the point forward. But Rondo can run that team. They have no shooters. And in this league... They might, they might not need the shooters. They need shooters. They, they might not need the shooters. And they, th- they, they have one of the toughest teams in the NBA. And how do you beat shooters? You put a body on them. Take their legs out, and they won't shoot for the next half. Like, the for the half. So, that's that's how they did it when they um, played GS. You just got to put a body on shooters, man. But GS We're still won. <laughs> GS still won at the end of the day, though. <laughs> They're still the king of the hill. Well, that's because GS has KD. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, and Katie's a shooter, Steph is a shooter, yeah, Clay's yeah, a shooter, yeah, Draymond yeah. has the ability to shoot. Yeah, yeah. So like, you need shooters in today's generation. Like, if people are telling Demar Derozan that he needs a better three point shot, then why aren't we telling a team that has no shooters at all that they'll be okay? They're just signed to one year deals. They're probably half the team will probably get traded as it goes. Have faith in Magic Johnson. Listen, Magic Johnson once said, and mind you, this is before they signed LeBron, that they were one piece away from contending with Golden State. <laughs> LeBron, sorry, Magic Johnson knows nothing about basketball on an executive level. I'm sorry. He's just a big, giant fanboy right now. This is the same guy that screams, the dunk contest is back, baby. Yeah. After one good dunk in the first round. Like, shut up. Like, he's a fanboy. That's all he is. Yeah, he's, a, he's just a mogul doing his thing. Yeah, he's just the face to to sell the tickets and everything yeah. like that. He's not a mogul at all. Like, that. F the Lakers, man. F them. I hate the Lakers. They're they're so spoiled and privileged. They don't even realize that I hate them. Hey, they earned it. <sighs> I guess so. Whatever. That's debatable. I'll say that much. That's debatable. No, they earned it. That is that's debatable. They earned it. They listen. They were one of the shittiest teams in 1970. No, sorry. They were one of the better teams in 1979. Yet mm-hmm. somehow, some way, they were able to draft Magic Johnson first overall. How does that happen? Same thing with James Worthy as well. And you get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Hmm, I don't know, man. Sounds like a lot of privilege to me if you ask me. <laughs> Fuck the Lakers. I'm sorry, man. I and one more thing about the free agency before we wrap things up and go and go to the next segment, man. Um we keep talking about how the Eastern Conference is like it's it's very open right now. You have you have the Raptors, you have Boston, you have Philly and everything like that. One of the teams that I really don't like you know, as far as not their players or anything like that, but the fact that people are bigging them up is Philly, to be honest. I think they're one of the more overrated teams in the Eastern really? Conference. I do. And here's why I'm saying it. 
I get it. You have two transcendent talents in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But here's what we know about them so far. Joel Embiid is in his fourth year. Last year was the first year where he actually played at least 70 games. Mm -hmm. Before then, it was 30 games. And before then, he played no games at all. He's been on minutes restrictions since then. So his health is very suspect. Then you have Ben Simmons. He missed his first year. Second year, which is his past year, was phenomenal. Damn, your average is triple-double. But the fact remains that his jump shot is not existent. If you need take a jump shot, man, he, he needs you no. Know, you right you, you, need, right you need a jump shot. You need a jump shot. I'm sorry. Like basketball, one of the most fundamental things to learn in basketball is how to shoot the ball. And he'll get it. He'll get it eventually, but he'll he doesn't have it right now. That's so fine. if you don't have it right now, that can't that's call why you. They surround them with shooters. Okay, but that's my next point, though. That's my next point. You lost your two best shooters of free agency, and Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova. They they went via free agency. Your only other reliable shooter that you have is JJ Redick, and you. You almost lost him. And even then, J.J., he's starting to lose a little bit his shooting stroke as well. I think he averaged about 36% from three-point range when he's usually been a career 40 to 41% three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. So now he's kind of teetering around that average mark. And on top of that, Markel Fultz, his shot is broken. So it's like, what kind of system do you have? <laughs> on top of that, they lost their GM because he's out here sending burner, burner tweets on burner accounts and blaming his wife for it. <laughs> what are they doing right now? There's too many cracks in that Liberty uh... Bell. I can't call them a contender. They'll be one of the top seeds in the East. I'll give them that. They'll probably be eh, top four, top four seed. I'll give them that. But they're not going to the finals, man. I'm sorry. Like, everyone got gassed up on them because of the fact that they won their last 15 games of the year last season, and they won it against sub-500 teams. But then the joke is they got exposed by a Boston team who had their two best stars missing in action. They got beaten by rookies and sophomores. and they Who almost took down LeBron James. Exactly, yeah. They almost took down LeBron James. It's so, the system over in Boston. Okay, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, whether it's a system or the players, if, even then, if it's a system, then that makes Philly look even worse because you have the talent to win, but you can't even implement a proper system to get you over that next hump. So that makes them look even worse because they already have the talent. Boston didn't even have the talent. They had prospects. Like They got run out of the gym by, by almost like a glorified G League team at that point. Listen, when Rozier... Friggin' looks. I don't even wanna. When you make Rozier look like play better than Kyrie Irving, you know it's a system. Exactly. But at the end of the day, you guys had the much. You had the two best players on the court, and y'all still lost. Still lost. So they're a talented team. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not ready to call these guys the next contenders of the Eastern Conference. This coming up season. Give it another couple more years. See what other moves they make. Sure, we can revisit that. But right now, it's premature. Right now, the clear-cut favorites of the Eastern Conference are the, are the Raptors and the Celtics. Bar none. It's not even close at this point. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know you got Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee and all that, but it's not even close. So people just need to just chill. Chill. I'm sorry, man. It's not even close. You're going to be surprised this year, man. I'm not. I I'm, know. I'm waiting for I'm still waiting for your uh your top your top 8 from the East and the West. Oh, don't worry. That's coming. That's coming. <laughs> you got to you got to put that out before the season starts. I know. I will. I will. I do it like every like mid to late August. So yeah. like I I'm, I'm don't worry. I I got that covered, man. I was actually thinking about it while I was on the way to the studio today. <laughs> I got that covered. Don't you worry. But nonetheless, we are going to move to, on to some other topics. But before we get to that, we're going to get to your latest single, yes. which is entitled The Pock. So, Pock. ladies and gentlemen, keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah.
Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Um, I do have my man, Goliath Paul, in the studio. What up, what up? Yeah, man. We were just talking ball. And we're going to kind of cross it over a little bit into another topic, which is ball-related, but it's also more socioeconomically related as well. So we were just talking about LeBron James and his move to L.A. Uh, with the Lakers. And that's not the only move he made recently, man. Recently, he opened up a new school in Akron, Ohio, his... Uh, place of birth which was called i promise and basically it is a school that provides a lot of benefits for its students and its faculty as well so as far as part of the itinerary for the school they provide free meals free aid free tuition free transportation uh if you live within a two mile radius <clears throat> and if you get accepted into uh post-secondary studies then he pays for your tuition with that as well as well as a bevy of other things and i believe that it took about $41 million for the creation of that school when it comes to its facilities, its benefits, as far as uh, its resources and what have you. And I think this is a huge power move from LeBron James, man. I mean, this is one of the moves that, that pretty much uh, launches you into that upper echelon of sports figures that transcend their sport, basically. So we're talking, we're talking Muhammad Ali status. We're talking about Serena Williams status. And I feel like LeBron James is, I think he's already in the echelon, but now he's just really secured himself in the echelon. There's nothing he can do at this point that's really going to take him out of there now. Um, Paul, what's your take on the move? And like, where does he stand right now as far as like influential sports figures that kind of transcend the sport itself? I love the move. Mm -hmm. I love the move because he put a spin on it. He just didn't open up a school. He opened up a school for kids um, that are at risk. Mm -hmm. The school is longer than your average or longer than your regular school year. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a chance to catch up and get ahead. Mm -hmm. It uh, comes with free meals. So that's free lunch, free breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, what else? There's, there's a bunch of other perks. If they stay uh, the full four years, mm -hmm. he pays for their uh, college. Yeah. So I guess your your three or four years of your college or university. Right. Just, just, it's, just, it's amazing that someone actually is giving back um, and I know I know people do it silently, yeah. but for someone of his magnitude, yeah. a sports figure that's so polarizing, that's like beyond sports, mm -hmm. for him to go into the community and say, you know what, not only do I you know, give millions of dollars every year towards scholarships and whatnot, mm -hmm. now I'm working on something bigger, here's a school, here's how I'm going to help these next generation of kids, yeah. and um, just... And on top of that, speaking out on different issues, whether it's race, whether it's on the president, it's it's nice to see a figure like him, mm -hmm. um, just a positive guy, you know, just back up the the less fortunate. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of people when they you know when they get that spotlight or they get that fame, they forget about where they came from and who they are. Right. And um, yeah, it's just nice. I mean, he's 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 very humble, very down to earth man. Absolutely, man. Like say what you want about him as a basketball player, but like as a man, like you you gotta respect it at the you end of the day. To. You have to. Now, one of the things that I I kept noticing once that announcement was was made. Uh, the comparisons between him and Michael Jordan popped up once again in terms of philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's kind of an unfair comparison to make, mainly because of the fact that, you know, as an athlete or as someone who earns like a lot of money, what you do with your money is entirely up to you. Like if you want to be a capitalist, that's 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 your prerogative and what have you. And the way Michael Jordan kind of, you know, thinks, you know, as far as like money making is concerned, 
Like his money is his money, but he does invest his money towards other programs that may or may not be beneficial towards him and his brand. So like he invests money towards uh, his alma mater, North Carolina. He provides a lot of footwear and equipment for a lot of the uh, athletes that go to that school. He's given money to um, under uh, to nonprofit organizations that that are at risk and what have you. He's done all of that basically, but that stuff is kind of like under the rug, so to speak, because I don't know. I guess he doesn't want that spotlight or that attention, what have you. Here's here's the thing with that. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Jordan. The GOAT of basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm a LeBron James stan, but I guess I'm not because Michael Jordan is the GOAT. <laughs> but um, when Michael Jordan was playing and when he was at his all-time highest, mm-hmm. he never spoke out against racial issues. And we all know about the Rodney King. We know about the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. and how black people were being treated. Um, he never said anything. I don't know about the donating and, and whatnot. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he was doing all that. But people are looking at LeBron as in you have so much to lose mm-hmm. you can shut your mouth and just dribble the ball mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you're speaking out and you're you're encouraging other people to step up mm-hmm. and you know find confidence within themselves mm-hmm. and do better for themselves as well right and 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 Jordan never did that right you know um, now it's just coming out that I think he he pledged six million dollars or some, some some amount of millions to uh, to something he went and donated. But I feel like it's a response to after LeBron coming out with that school and whatnot. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying LeBron trying to uh, step over everybody or outshine everyone else because LeBron's definitely in a league of his own, doing his own thing. Yeah, I don't think he sees everybody else. I think he just sees like what do I need to do to get better and help people. Right. Um. So then to see Jordan do that, okay, it's cool, it's nice. But like, why didn't you do that when you were the man, when you had all the influence? Mm-hmm. Nobody cares right now. Right, right. And I think, uh, and, and first of all, you're right about what you're saying right now, what have you. Um, I think it just comes down to certain people that we, we look towards to do that stuff, right? And as far as we've known Michael Jordan in terms of Michael Jordan, the basketball player, like we haven't known him to be, you know, that, that freedom fighter, so to speak, or mm-hmm. the one who speaks out against uh, social injustices and what have you. So why are we expecting him to do so? Exactly. And my thing is this, like, yeah, he's he's not doing it right now, but he has done it recently in recent years in little increments here and there. My thing is this, like, I'm not saying you have to do it from start to finish, but when you do do that, I will give you your props. I'm not going to call you a freedom fighter altogether, but if you do something good like that, then I will give you your props. Perfect example of that is Jay-Z. Jay-Z has never spoken out heavily on like social issues right. while he was growing up. And if, if anything, mm-hmm. he was the antithesis of that. Yeah. He, was, he was the guy putting those issues into his community. Exactly. But then fast forward, he does 444 or he does Magna Carta Holy Grail where he's talking about he's things like that. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just like, it's all about, like you just said, evolving, evolution. It's about uh, maturation or what have you. So I can give him, I can give Michael Jordan props for maturing and, and, and just knowing yeah, that yeah, he is a person of influence who can help these communities and what have you uh and with that being said because he's just kind of getting into that whereas lebron has kind of been that since day one i don't think it's right to compare the two like yes they're they're greats they're all-time legends in their sports and what have you but i don't think it's fair to compare those two when they're cut from a different cloth i think that's what it comes down to in my opinion yeah no no i agree i mean we really can't compare them basketball wise we Mm -hmm. really can't compare them in their life their lifestyle michael is a smoker a Mm -hmm. gambler (laughs) an adulterer Mm -hmm. um lebron is all around holy man yeah until that scandal comes out yeah i know right i was like yo lebron who's gonna get the scandal first beyonce or lebron that's that's my question (laughs) (laughs) you see that that come at beyonce though sorry did you see the the meme that's going around for Beyonce? No, no, no. What's the meme? They said, oh, she she preaches female empowerment, blah 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 blah. You know what Beyonce stands for? Yeah, yeah. And then she has 
uh, girls working, making her clothing line in like the Philippines. Oh, so she does child labor. Oh shit! Yeah, so that's that, so that's going around now. I saw that yesterday. No! 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 How can you? How no! can you be that woman and then? You right. Know, Hey man, I don't know. Hey, Whatever. Beehive, yo, y'all gonna have to answer for that one. Like, <laughs> yeah, y'all gonna have to answer for that. I don't know how you can defend that one. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> they'll oh, find man. a way. They'll, they'll definitely find a way. That is the Beehive. Yeah. Um, but ladies and <coughs> ladies and gentlemen, what do you guys think about LeBron's new move? It was a great move. Like, where does it cement him in the upper echelon of like athletes and what have you going forward? Either way, let me know. Share your thoughts on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. Now, let's get into the second topic. So, Drake recently put out the new visuals for uh, In My Feelings, and it featured the comedian Shiggy, who the one who made mm-hmm. the whole In My Feelings challenge very popular and what have you. And so, the video had uh, guest appearances from Lala, uh, Felicia Rashad of The Cosby Show. Uh, who else was in that? Um, they also featured uh, video clips of celebrities who did the dance, like Will Smith, for example. Um, and it was basically just an overall fun video. It was set in New Orleans. It was basically kind of like a 90s throwback, had a 90s aesthetic to it. Um, but yeah, overall, a very fun video. And I feel like Drake is kind of on a winning streak when it comes to his music videos as of recent. Like, he had a great video for that. He had a great video for I'm Upset, which was like a, a callback to Degrassi for anyone who's a Degrassi fan. Mm-hmm. God's Plan, like, had you know, a lot of play and all our runtime because of what took place in that video as well. Um, overall, man, like, what do you think of Drake's current streak right now as far as videos is concerned, as far as his album streams and all that good stuff? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're <laughs> gotta, sighing real hard. Sigh. I got to let that, I got to let out that sigh because I'm speechless. Oh, okay. I, fair I'm enough. legit speechless, man. <laughs> Yo, this, and, okay, so I compare today's music era. Uh-huh. With the baseball era when they were doing steroids. So baseball was, everybody knows baseball is fun when you're hitting home runs. Yeah. When you're bringing in the excitement. That's what people go to watch baseball for. Otherwise, right. you're just sitting there. Yeah, you're sitting there for three you know, hours just killing time. Exactly. You're waiting for the bases to get loaded and the big hitter to step up, right? Yeah. When those guys were all doing steroids, it was, baseball was at its highest. Right. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. People were loving it. Yeah. But. They don't want to put those guys in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. because they were doing steroids. It mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't work out, right? I right. think they should have their own separate Hall of Fame. Put those guys right. the steroid Hall happen, of Fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that's, it, it was part of the game. It right. just happened after the fact. They found out, or they probably knew the whole time. Yeah. They're like, okay, let's make our money, and now we got to prosecute these guys for their right. what they were doing. I, I, I take the steroid era baseball and I apply that to music right now because streams is so unfair. Uh-huh. I don't like when they compare Michael Jackson, the Beatles, all these legends right. who legit put out tracks and sold millions of records. And I know back then all you could do was buy a record. Yeah. So I get it with the streams. But they sold millions of records, uh, set all of these records on um, the billboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, selling millions or whatever. Right. And now we have guys like... And Drake, okay, Drake, he's going to smash it. He's a number one guy. He's only getting bigger. Mm-hmm. But when I see like a Post Malone and a Cardi B come and beat the Beatles records of yeah. having, the you know, six songs in the in uh, the top 20 or the top Billboard 100, right. it's not fair because... Man, they just, they're just... When it comes to the albums, they're just throwing out anything to see what sticks to the wall. Right. You know what I mean? They're dropping, t- like, Migos, uh, Ray Shrum, and all those guys. Yeah. These guys are dropping, like, 
20 to 30 track albums. No one wants to listen to that, first of all. Right. There's like barely any substance in it. Yeah, too much filler. Too much filler. And it's literally whatever gets streamed the most because the Billboard Hot 100 mm-hmm. takes your streams into account now. Right. So you get a fuck ton of streams. Mm-hmm. You get on the Billboard now, right? So yeah. you drop 20 tracks. 10 of them get a bunch of streams. You got 10 tracks on the Billboard 100. You uh, pick a few couple singles from that. Um shoot a couple of videos, you rise, now you're beating these records of, you know, the people who actually were legit dropping tracks, which were burning for, you know, one year, two years, because those tracks were that hot at that time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that they dropped it all and everyone just streamed it and then, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like this era, because we haven't really figured out the streamings yet, I know the industry wants to get their money back and this is one way that they're going to do it, but they haven't like really fine-tuned it. So I think when we look back and we look at the Post Malones, the Cardi B's, the Migos, all these hip-hop stars who are really trendy and how hip-hop is the number one genre right now, actually, Mm -hmm. um, we'll look back and say this is the steroid era of music where they really, you know, the internet came in, bullied the industry, they tried to play catch up, mm-hmm. and a lot of people benefited from it. Yeah, but I think going forward, they're gonna really clap down on these numbers and try to figure it out, mm-hmm. and it'll it'll even itself out as it goes. Right, and not nah, that was a brilliant brilliant point that you made actually. Um, I think it's somewhat of a double edged sword, however, because now you're in a position where because the internet is such a viable source for content, mm-hmm. you don't have to rely upon a record label like a major record label at exactly. that to push your units for you. And on top of that, if you're someone who would mainly just rely upon like internet and streams and what have you, then you're now at a point where you're going to be more accessible than the person who has to rely upon, you know, the hard covers and the hard copies and what have you, right? And, like and the like the Grammys, they made a category for album streaming basically at exactly. this point, which is why you know someone like Chance the Rapper has become very successful right, and right. what have you. And and the, and it's nothing to knock on these guys because only the top streaming artists, and mm-hmm. it's hell of a lot harder to be one of those top streaming artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so they deserve to be where they're at. Mm-hmm. But when you're dropping 20 tracks just to see where you land because everybody else is doing it, right. you kind of just taint the system and we know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't like that, but I get it. They're playing the game. Yeah. You got you to make the hit to stay alive. Yeah. And they're just seeing what, what the fans like. Yeah, it, it's paint by numbers at that point, it right? Is, it's it paint is, by numbers because right. like, a lot of people are doing it, like you mentioned, like Ray Shremmerd, uh, what's his name, Post Malone. Nicki Minaj is doing it right now, oh, basically. Oh, one thing I, I absolutely hate, though. Uh-huh is when they drop a song, put out a video, stream it for a year, Mm -hmm. drop their album, that song got a million streams, they put that same song on the album that they drop a year that they've been cooking. Right. And they put it on their album. Mm-hmm. Now that album's automatically platinum. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> it's like a cheat I code, basically. That. That's the biggest cheat code. Post Malone was the first one to do it, and they called him out. Now everybody does it. Right, right. But you know what? It's like everyone finds a way to like cheat the system. Like a record label will buy a million copies of oh, a particular yeah, yeah. artist. Oh, yeah, they've been doing it. Like, yeah. like, like with like, Jay-Z's Magna Carta Holy Grail, they bought a million copies of it so they could put a free copy onto each Samsung phone or whatever. Yeah, Remember when we all woke up and we had U2's album on our phones? Yeah. What was that about? Exactly, yeah. So, like, it's not just the artists doing it. It's the labels as well, right? They're trying to pimp the system either way. everybody is. So, it's just, like, at the end of the day, like, people, what, what people need to understand is even though people are doing this, that doesn't make that album greater than the Beatles album that came out in 1960, no, exactly, whatever, right? Exactly. It's just the numbers. It just means that it's exactly. sold more. Yes. It doesn't mean that it's greater than. It's like, yeah, you yeah. broke a record. 
but it doesn't mean that that album is better than that. Like, no one is saying that Nicki Minaj's Queen album is better than whatever Michael Jackson put out in, in, in the 80s or whatever the case may be. We're not saying that because we came from that generation. We yeah. understood that. We grew up on Motown and whatnot. Right. The kids now, you take a kid who's born in 94, born in 2000, man. What are we, 2018? You, yeah. You take an 18-year-old kid right now who doesn't know anything about the 90s, the mm-hmm. 80s, even the, the, the 2000s. Yeah. Um. They definitely think Drake's album is better than Thriller. And that's fine because they're 18 years old. It's true. They, they yeah, lack yeah, maturity. No, that's, that's exactly where they're at in life. Yeah. Right? So, like, so I get it. That, and that's why I say steroid era, uh-huh. hip-hop era, or music era. Right. It's just steroids, man. Right. It's just a cheat code. It, it is a cheat code. It is a cheat code. Like, at the end of the day, like, I feel like it, it depends on your level of maturity to discern um, you know, sales versus you know, uh, credibility at the end of the day. Because you, your album can be very credible. It doesn't sell much. Your album can sell a whole lot, but there's not a whole lot to it in terms of content. So I think it's up to the listener to kind of make that distinction. And in time, they'll understand. Like, as far as like an 18 year old or whatever, like, they're 18. Like, 18 year olds think they know everything, right? Until they really do know everything at one point in time. And then they learn, then they understand. So I expect them to say that Nicki Minaj is better than the Beatles or, or whatever yeah, the case yeah, may be. Course. Like, that's why when people get outraged or offended by it, it's like, come on. Like, what, what did you expect? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. what, like, there are kids out there back in our day in the early 2000s who were saying how 50 Cent was the next Tupac because he got shot nine times, right? Exactly. We look yeah, back now and we're just thing. like, yeah, nah, that mm-hmm. definitely wasn't a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, but nonetheless, what do you guys think of Drake's new video? Did you guys like it? Did you enjoy it? Um, did Lala do a good job as Kiki? She definitely did in my books. <laughs> Either way, let me know. Hit me up with your thoughts and comments uh, under the banner Cool Radio CC on on all social media platforms. And final topic we got to get to before we get to Wankster of the Week, man. Uh, let's talk about Kendrick Lamar, all right? So he was recently on 50's new show, Power. Well, not new show, but current running show, I should say. But on a new episode of it mm-hmm. last week. And basically, Kendrick played the role of a crackhead. Um, so basically, they have been cooking up that appearance for a long time. Him, 50. And basically, they were just saying that they, they want to do something creative together. And that's what came up. And uh, Courtney Kemp, who's a showrunner and the creator of of power was basically saying how she wasn't even planning to have any like famous guest appearances or cameos on the series but then when they talked about the idea and what he wanted to do then she pretty much signed off on it and kendrick in fact himself was actually adamant on not playing the role of a drug dealer so he i guess he just kind of flipped it and decided to be the crackhead and it was actually pretty entertaining to be honest um did you actually get a chance to see the episode or no, not no i didn't okay I didn't, but i heard about it yeah yeah it so really it was pretty good yeah like he was basically a very eccentric um basically crackhead in a sense right like looked very bummy his braids were all out of sorts or what was have it, you uh was it a remake of new jack city chris tucker uh, you know what that's a very good question actually um I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no because it looked as though with the with the Chris Tucker character or the Chris was it a Chris Rock? I Chris think? Rock. Chris, Chris Rock. Rock yeah, yeah, the Chris Rock character. He looked extremely dependent on that crack rock, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this guy, not as much, but you could tell that the no, the, the drugs and his lifestyle did a number okay. on him mentally okay. and what yeah, have yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And basically, you know, spoiler alert, but basically 50 kind of used him as a pawn to gun down a lot of the rival gangs that are in the neighborhood, basically. Right. So uh, Kendrick as a crackhead would kind of lure them into this area. And then, you know, and he was like talking a good game, or whatever. Like he actually sounded like he was rapping pretty much. And then 50 would just come in and, and then gun them down a sense. So it was probably the first time where we actually saw Kendrick in an acting space. 
Um, and I'd be curious to see if he continues to pursue that going forward because I think Kendrick has the creativity to bring a certain role to life. And like he's done a little bit of pseudo acting on the albums that he that he's been on as far as the sketch, uh, the skits and the, sorry, the skits and the sketches and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if he does anything more like that in the future. So I hope so, man. Shout yeah. out to Kendrick. He's uh, I gotta give respect to anybody who stays true to their craft, true mm-hmm. to their roots, does not budge for anybody yeah. in the pressures of the industry, and still makes it to number one man right authenticity always will sell out uh i don't even want to say fakeness but people yeah. who try fraudulence to i would say fraudulence yeah, exactly. yeah definitely uh, but nonetheless ladies uh ladies and gentlemen what do you guys think about that again hit me up on all social media platforms at cool radio cc and now we have reached the final segment of this episode of every episode and this one i'm really gonna lean in on this one this time around uh so that being said <clears throat> Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week has to go to disgraced comedian Monique. Now, I'm giving Monique the Wankster of the Week because of the fact that during the tirade that fellow comedian Roseanne Bars went on during Twitter uh, that actually got her fired from ABC uh, during the whole remake and reboot of Roseanne, um, Monique decided to defend her sister in comedy and her universal sister, as she likes to sell, called Put It. And she did so during an interview. And lo and behold, as it turns out, I have the audio of that interview <laughs> so we're gonna play it right now and we are going to dissect the hell out of it like it is grade 11 science class uh listen in folks roseanne barr is my sister in comedy and she's my universal sister and what i won't do sam is throw her away we've all said and done things baby that we wish we could take back and swallow and say oh but when you're in the public eye you can't but to put the title of racist on her i can only share my experience with roseanne i remember when i had the monique show and there were big major black superstar talent that had white representatives and they told their talent that show was too black but that woman when we called it wasn't a question and she said monique i'm gonna tell you right now baby they're gonna consider you difficult they're gonna call you the b-word because you're a woman who won't lay down and take that foolishness so what i would ask is yes my sister made a mistake and she said something that i know she wished she could take back but what I would ask is that we don't throw her away. The consequence is what the consequence is. Mm-hmm. But I know what it is, Sam, to be thrown away based off of a lie. Um, first and foremost, let me, let me just say this. She says she knows what it's like to be thrown off out of a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Roseanne wasn't lying when she made those racist tweets towards that Obama administrative uh, member uh, when she called the person basically a monkey. Yep. Okay, that wasn't a lie. It wasn't a lie when she posted a picture of herself dressed up in Adolf Hitler fashion, burning a whole bunch of gingerbread cookies, and those cookies symbolizing the Jewish people who were who were caught up in the Holocaust and the ovens and what have you. That wasn't a lie at all. Like all like Roseanne Bars goes for shock value all the time and it always crosses racial and religious boundaries. That's she's been doing that her entire career. So none of that is a lie. So that's one thing. Secondly, 
based on her racist rhetoric, I find it very ironic and hypocritical and opportunistic, in fact, of Monique to be defending Roseanne. Because wasn't Monique the same person who I think it was last summer, if I'm not mistaken, was telling people to boycott Netflix because of their race, racist and sexist practices against people of color? Weren't you the one telling all of our proud brothers and sisters to rally with her and, and boycott Netflix because they want to up, upstart your paycheck? Weren't you the one saying that? Or have you forgotten that already? you probably forgotten that already. Listen, Monique, listen, listen. I hate it when black people especially are opportunistic freedom fighters, okay? They will only fight for a cause that best benefits their narrative when the time suits them. Case in point, when Azealia Banks was going on her rant about why she hates um, uh, Iggy Azealia because she sees her as a cultural appropriator and taking our art and our culture and all that. But then two twos later, aren't you the same chick who's talking about how you're bleaching your skin because you're tired of the way black people make you feel? Weren't you the same person who is out here talking about I only date white men because niggas ain't shit? Weren't you the same person saying that? Where's all that fight the power rhetoric? Where's all that? Oh, it's not working for you this time, right? Because it's not in your best laid plans. This is how I feel if you, Monique, all right? The reason why you didn't get the money you wanted to get initially is because you guys were not negotiating properly. They told you 500K. You said, no, I want more. Not mad at that. And then you say that they offered you $3 million, which we just heard recently. You still didn't take it because you're counting the pockets of Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and Amy Schumer, who I admit isn't really that funny, but because she's popular, she can uh, command the bag. I get that. But you still weren't happy with that. So you say, okay, I'm going to boycott you guys. No. What you do is you take the offer that they give you. You make the most out of your comedy special. You watch the streams go in. The numbers and, and everything just calculate. And then that is when you have the leverage. And then you can go to Netflix and be like, yo, double my paycheck. Triple my paycheck. Look at the numbers I just gave you guys. Triple it up. You bet on yourself. You don't say, I'm boycotting Netflix because I didn't get what I want. What you and your daddy need to do is to conduct, conduct better business. And on top of that, what you need to realize is that Roseanne probably only went on your show because she wants to increase her diversity uh, quota, basically. Because last time I checked, the only other time Roseanne was on a black-related show was an episode of A Different World when the whole Rodney King riots were going down. And that was like 1993. Between then and what, 2003 maybe? When the Parkers were popping, we're talking about a 10-year gap where she wasn't featured on any other prominent black uh, sitcom. So, Monique, what are you really talking about? A mistake? No. A mistake is something, you, is, is something that you do one time when you didn't know any better. A choice is something that you do when you realize that you did make a mistake, but then you continue to do it because of whatever reason. What Rosanna has been doing for her entire career has been predicated on choice. She chose to be a racist bigot, and you are now defending that racist bigot when, ironically enough, you were trying to fight quote-unquote, fight against racist bigots who weren't giving you a big enough bag because you felt entitled to it. This is why people don't want to work with you because you are inconsistent with your words and your rhetoric, and that is why I'm giving your disrespectful ass the wankster of the week. Don't ever try and come at people like Charlamagne again for telling them who you are because what you are is an opportunist, and you try to use your own type of privilege when you feel like it's best suited in your own narrative. Do you deserve this wankster? Of course you do. I'm going to drop it on you one more time just like this. The Parkers wasn't that good anyway. Ah, God.
damn, you in an honor. I had to, man. I'm sorry, no, man. Right, I've been right, waiting. Right, I've been right. waiting. Yeah, man. She's the worst kind. She she's is, like, yeah. she's like those just on Sunday Christians where they talk about praise the Lord, da, 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 but then they do a whole bunch of other sinful shit yeah, six yeah. days out of the week anyway, man. Exactly. Nah, man, I'm done with her. And yeah. all the hey yo, shouts to all all the black people who were supporting Monique during this entire ordeal. How do y'all feel right now? How do y'all feel? <laughs> don't worry, you don't have to answer that right now. I'll give you some time to marinate on that. Oh man, I hate her so much, man. I hate her so much. She's so, she's so like she's so like pretentious. Like yeah, she is. Fuck. Like that Oscar has her thinking that she's entitled to anything. I Listen, know. you won an Oscar, cool. But you won an Oscar for a dramatic film, not a comedy. Mm -hmm. And that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. What are we talking about? Whatever, man. I'm off this. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we got to end tonight's broadcast. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. It was a great show as always. Um, Goliath Paw, you already know there's an open door policy for you that you can exercise your right to uh, enact at any point in time. So I appreciate yes. you coming on Thanks the show. Thanks for having me, man. Always. It's always a good time. Absolutely, man. And uh, where can the people find you on social media? Right now, the new EP dropped July 16th. Mm -hmm. We just got the website up, brand new, got a bunch of goodies on there, new mm -hmm. music videos, giveaways, contests, www.kingpod.ca. Visit it, go there now on your phones, on your desktops, kingpod.ca. Mm -hmm. Of course, you got all the social media links there, Twitter at GoliathPaw, Facebook at GoliathPaw and Goliath Music, and uh, YouTube slash official. The Pac, you guys heard the song. Mm -hmm. Let me know what y'all think. Jump in the comments. It's already rolling. Don't be the last one to uh, to let me know. <laughs> so go on there and uh, check it out, man. All right. There we go, man. Uh, yeah, once again, appreciate you for coming on the show. You're more than welcome to come through anytime. Appreciate it. And uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we do have another guest coming to the show. He goes by the name of Justin Alleman. We had him on the show about a year ago or so. He is a basketball trainer, so we will be talking a whole bunch of NBA goodies and all that good stuff. So make sure you keep it locked for that. Uh, announcement time. We are now live on Google Play Music, so hey. make sure you go check that out. Uh, we also have uh, developed an Anchor account as well, so I will post some of the pods going forward on there as well as SoundCloud. And we are still currently working on iTunes, so I will keep you in the loop for that. So make sure you go stream us where you have your accessibilities and all that good stuff. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy we are out of here peace cool.